the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. Bud Elliott here, and I'm back again with another edition of my summer school college football series here on the Cover 3 podcast. And today, we're talking a big one. That's Penn State to do it. I'm going to bring on my friend Daniel Gallon of Lions 24-7. Daniel, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me, bud. I'm, I'm excited to be back. Uh, another excellent season for Penn State, 11-2. and two. Uh, Power ratings backed that up. They weren't super lucky or anything to, to do that. Legitimate top 10 football team. I, I have to imagine the mood in Happy Valley is, is pretty good entering 2023. There's a lot of excitement around this team. Um, I think you looked at how last year ended with a win in the Rose Bowl going 11-2. and two. And then on top of that, getting a lot of valuable defensive players to decide to come back. They weren't hit hard by the transfer portal. They made some good additions around the edges, some interesting 2023 recruits coming in. I think that Penn State yeah, really entered the offseason well-positioned to you know take a big step once we get to the fall. Let's start on the offense. Uh, it was a top 35-type unit last year, if, if you adjust for opponent, which you know, is is a, a good offense, but it's not you know very good or great level last year and has some room for improvement. They do lose Sean Clifford. He was kind of solid and steady for most of his career, and now they get on on Drew Aller. And I know he's not as proven as Clifford, but I, I man, I don't know. Like, there's some chance this is not a drop back. Yeah, you kind of, you're sacrificing. You kind of knew what you were going to get out of Sean Clifford, but you knew where that ceiling was. And with Drew Aller, yeah, you know, I think the ceiling is is much, much higher. Obviously, a five-star recruit out of Medina, Ohio, 24-7 sports is number one quarterback in the class of 2022. Um, I saw him walking around this weekend at Elite 11. Just a very, very massive quarterback, a big body out there. We saw some things that he could do last year. There's a lot of buzz about his arm strength. Um, I think when you look at Penn State and the positions where they can really take a step forward from last year because there's a lot of guys coming back. You look at that defense, you know, all three levels, you're getting valuable contributors back. 
the offensive line, you're getting a lot of those contributors back. Running backs, Singleton and Allen are back. Tight ends are back. Quarterback, that's where you have the big change. Wide receiver too, which I'm sure we'll get to. But you know, all eyes are on the quarterback. I think that Drew Aller is, is really ready for this moment. He seems to have a really good command of this team. Um, you know, there's been some talk about a quarterback battle between him and Bo Perbula, but I think that it's all pointing to Drew Aller being, you know, back there September 2nd against West Virginia. And I think there's just a lot of excitement with what he can do because of that arm, because of that athleticism. And he's just a talent that Penn State hasn't really had back there in a long time. I, I mean, the, the ceiling there is sort of, and you hate to make this comparison, but it is sort of Josh Allen, right? With, with, with the, the velocity he has and, and the size, it, his success rate uh, on, on dropbacks was almost the exact same as Clifford, and yet Clifford had a much higher uh, completion percentage, which tells me like he's, he's throwing the football down the field more and, and you know hitting those uh, at, at a higher rate. Obviously, with, with Clifford's a little more game manager type, and obviously, that, I mean, heck, that's that might bring some more inconsistency at times, but also like, like a higher ceiling, like you said. I, I'm really excited to see where he can take this offense. He he does have two. Special. We don't talk a lot of running backs on on, on the summer school series. I'm like most of them are pretty replaceable. You know, if you look at the NFL, like usually one or none gets drafted in the first round, unless you're the Lions. Uh, but I mean, Singleton and Allen seem like a really special duo here, and uh, that's that's got to be a focal point for this offense going forward. Definitely, I think that last year went about as good as you could have hoped for with having two freshman running backs back there. Yeah, you, know, you talk about you know. Penn State, how they've developed the running back position and, and what these two guys mean. You know, a year ago this time, you had five scholarship running backs at, at Penn State. You know, by the end of the year, Allen and Singleton were the only two that were healthy. At this point, they're the only two left from that group. Everybody else transferred out. You know, I think that the writing was really on the wall about what those guys are capable of doing. And then beyond that, they really backed it up. Um, but I think that as two players, they complement each other really, really well. Um, you know, Nick Singleton, you know, he was the five star, the in-state kid, and he was the really the home run hitter. I mean, you saw it when in that Auburn game last September where he got out into the open field and he was running away from those guys. You know, he showed that he could run over guys. And as the season went along, you really saw his development in terms of his patience of not trying to balance everything outside being willing to go in between the tackles you know you know waiting for blocks to develop setting things up a little bit and i think that that's something that he actually learned from katron allen you know katron allen came in and he had the nickname fat man when he got here because i think he was announced at 225 pounds on signing day he was down to 201 at one point this season he's back up into the i think around 217 now um he's really redone his body but the patience, I think, is really what defined him more than really any physical aspect. You know, he was really able to wait and see when those holes would develop. You know, he was just able to get right through them into the second level. You know, he was really, really fun to watch. He didn't look like a freshman uh, the way that he would let things go uh, on the field. And I think, you know, player retention in this era of college football is everything. And to get the, you know, Katron Allen went to school in Florida at IMG, is from Virginia Beach. You know, to get him to stick around, you know, for another year to keep this, you know, core of their backfield intact was really, really big. And it's great for someone like Drew Aller, where he comes in first time starting quarterback. He's going to have, you know, maybe the nation's best uh, running back duo behind him. 
Certainly. Uh, and, and a pretty decent offensive line uh, to run behind. I feel like that their, their line there at Penn State's been improving uh, on an annual basis. And, and, and you get Olu Fashanu to stay as opposed to going to the NFL draft. Now, I don't know if I buy the whole top five selection if he had actually left this year, but the guy's, what, younger than grade level, and I'm sure Penn State fans are, are thrilled to have him back. It, they took a step last year. Are, are you projecting another step this year, or is it more status quo? What, what's your read on this room? Yeah, it, there are some moving pieces as we go into this year. You know, the center, Juice Scruggs, left, uh, was a you know day two pick in the NFL draft, which, good for him. You know, he, he overcame a lot at Penn State in terms of injuries, and things like that. Um, so you're losing your center. And last year, you know, Penn State really elevated their level of play on the offensive line, but they used so many different combinations. You know, Olu Fashion, who missed the you know, last third of the season, Landon Tangwall, who was the starting left guard, he got hurt in the middle of the season. Uh, Sal Wormley, who was the starting right guard, he was in and out of the lineup. At right tackle, uh, Caden Wallace uh, battled an injury, and, and Bryce Effner, uh, who retired after last year, he stepped in uh, and was really admirable. So Juice Scruggs was really the, you know, the glue that held this offensive line together last year. And so, you know, you're losing him. You know, Hunter Norzad, who saw extensive time at left guard. You know, he started his career at Cornell, transferred in. Um, you know, was a tackle in the Ivy League, is playing guard and now center in the Big Ten. Um, you know, stereotypes. He's a very intelligent player uh, in the middle, and I think they can think that he'll hold down center. I'm really excited to see what Landon Tangwall uh, is able to do uh, with a full year of health. You know, he was a really big time recruit in the class of 2021. And then the wild card, I think, is really Drew Shelton. Hmm. Drew Shelton was a four star recruit uh, last year. They wanted to redshirt him after Olu got hurt. He stepped in at left tackle and as a true freshman held that down through the end of the season into the Rose Bowl. He's kicking over to right tackle where he's competing with Caden Wallace, but Making that switch, it's it's tough for guys. Some guys are it's really easy. Other guys have have some issues, and it sounds like it's been a real learning experience for Drew Shelton. So, what happens at right tackle, I think, is going to be really interesting. But I think that this line is positioned to take a step forward because all these guys have experience. They're all pretty proven, and behind them, they've really, really cultivated some depth. Makes sense to me. Uh- which leaves receiver slash tight end. The, the pass catching group here, it, if you have to circle an area that that is the reason why this offense doesn't take a step forward, if for some reason it doesn't, it's got to be these guys. You lose Mitchell Tensley and, and Parker Washington. That's 150 combined targets from last year, which is huge. And then Britton Strange, that was kind of an underrated player nationally, but the NFL certainly saw uh, something in him. So they go to the transfer portal. They get Keandre Lambert-Smith back. You took Malik McLean, who I don't. Is he going to be in the mix to start? You think, or is he? We didn't hear too much about him yeah, uh, okay. through the spring, and yeah, there's you know, pretty much everyone is almost in the mix for that that third spot of receiver. Yeah, like I thought he had some talent, but I mean, it, you know, I know Florida State pretty well, and I, I don't think he was really going to be in the mix to start there in Tallahassee this season. Uh, but Dante Cephas is the guy that got out of Kent State that I'm really intrigued by, but he wasn't in for, for spring. It, is this basically like they need Cephas to come in and be their number one? The, they're in an interesting spot. Yeah. Like I I think Cephas is kind of the, the key to unlocking this receiver picture because he wasn't here for spring. Uh, he enrolled last week. They actually, right before we recorded, re- started recording, they officially announced him 
uh, his addition to the roster. Now, he's a Pittsburgh kid, played with Daquan Hardy, one of the cornerbacks. You know, he's he's very you know, known very well in the program. Um, but I think if Cephas can come in um, and be you know a top tier receiver, I think that really elevates them. James Franklin said that they really only had two proven guys uh, through the season. Keandre Lambert-Smith, who I think in the Rose Bowl might have had a bit of a a coming out party as to the type of receiver he can be. Um, And then Harrison Wallace, the third, Trey Wallace. He's a kid from Alabama. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore. Um, Franklin singled him out where it was Lambert-Smith, Wallace, everybody else. Omari Evans, who's going into a sophomore year, I think made a move to be that third guy. But after that, it's just a really kind of, I don't want to call it a mess, but there's a lot of guys, you know, fighting for playing time um, and a lot of younger guys too. They're going to have four second, including Evans. They're going to have five second year wide receivers. Um, You know, four guys who didn't burn their red shirts last year. I think Caden Saunders is really someone to watch. Uh, The old wide receivers coach, Taylor Stubblefield was pretty honest with us that Saunders came to campus and was out of shape uh, when he enrolled early and, and through his freshman year. And Caden Saunders has readily admitted that to us too, that you know he wasn't really ready uh, for what this was going to be. Uh, but he's felt like that he has taken those steps. And I think that he is someone who can be a you know big time guy, Christian driver, son of Donald driver. He started last year as a cornerback made the switch late in the offseason and has been a full-time wide receiver. You know, how close is he? Um, and then you have two other redshirt freshmen and Anthony Ivy and Tyler Johnson who didn't play last year. Um, those are two other guys. And then you've got Liam Clifford, Sean Clifford's younger brother. I think he's going to be a third-year guy that, you know, provides a little bit of size to that room. Um, and then Malik Mega uh, is another four, fourth-year guy. Um, he's a converted soccer player. He's from Canada very new to the game, lots of you know, raw athletic skills, but he ended up mostly finding a role on special teams last year. So, you know, this is what Dante Cephas is walking into. Um, and I think that there's a real opportunity um, for him to, to make a move and, and be in that top three, you know, to be in that first group that, that they roll out there um, against West Virginia. Obviously, if you guys have followed any North Carolina spring game, which I'm sure a lot of Penn State listeners have not, uh, because why would they? It's a different league. Uh, but the, the receiver from Kent State uh, that UNC took uh, had an awesome spring. So it, it, it would seem to suggest it's not just the system that they were running there uh, it, it, at Kent. Those guys have some real, real talent. I think Georgia would back that up, too, since they played them in the non-conference last year. Uh, true or false, if you gave James Franklin the truth serum and he could take it, lock it in today, he would take a guarantee that he has a top half receiver unit and tight end unit in the big 10. True. Okay. And I think a lot of that goes back to the tight ends. Um, You know, Franklin has been very vocal about what he thinks about that room. Georgia fans disagree. They've let me know about that on, on Twitter, but um, I think that the, the ceiling for this tight ends room is, is really, really high. And, you know, the way that James Franklin has talked about it is that if, they think their number two tight end is better than their number three wide receiver. Then they're going to, you know, switch things around. You know, I'm really excited about Theo Johnson, six foot six, 260 pounds. He came on really, really strong. Um, you know, a lot of people, we were asking him at the Rose bowl, if he was going to declare for the NFL draft and, you know, or if he'd been thinking about it. And, you know, a lot of people were like, 
why are you asking that? He was the backup this year. You know, it was Brenton Strange was the starter. Why was the number two, you know, tight end thinking about this? But you know, you look at him, he's someone who is going to test really, really well at the combine. And you know, he was just a playmaker and a game breaker down the stretch. And so there's a lot of excitement about, about that tight end room. Um, you know, Tyler Warren has done a lot of different things. And then you've got a lot of young guys. Khalil Dinkins is going into his third year. Jerry Cross is going into his second year. And then the one freshman that I would really single out, uh, Andrew Rappelier, uh, you know, tight end from you know, New England. I think that he is someone when he arrives this summer that you know could force his way into that conversation. He's pretty freaky. I, I know Andrew Ivins and I were, were on the signing day show. We were just kind of just let, let's just re- remember some dudes style <laughs> segment, right? Just just like guys that pop in our head that we like from the cycle. And I, I really, really like what we saw from him from, from an athletic standpoint. I, I think this is intriguing, dude, with maybe like some more two back sets, more more two tight end sets, a little more, a little more smash mouth. If you do have some questions about tackle that helps you, you know, kind of protect uh, one of those tackles, you, you, you can play some, you know, like, you know, twin tight end open type stuff. That's that really creates some problems. And, and, you know, at least with this schedule, you can sort of ease into it in the first three games before you have to play a defense that should give you or, or will generally give most teams some trouble when, when Iowa comes to Happy Valley. Although they don't, they don't score, it doesn't necessarily matter all, all that much. Right. And then you get Northwestern UMass. I mean, that there's a legitimate chance this team starts out at six and zero. Uh, when 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 uh, when the trip to Ohio State October twenty first comes up, and Grant, the, the offense will need some time to adjust and and, and to gel with, with the new quarterback and some of the new pieces. Defensively, though, I, <laughs> unless you talk me out of this, I, I think I'm all in, man. Um, I mean, you lose PJ Mustafer, and nobody else of consequence on the defensive line. It was already pretty good, and you get some guys back who were injured or out last year, right? Like this is this has got to be exciting to cover these guys. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, especially seeing, you know, what uh, some of these defensive ends can do. Um, I think, you know, Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson, I think, are both guys keep it, to keep an eye on this year um, and how they take leaps from last year for different reasons. Um, Adisa Isaac missed the 2021 season because of a torn Achilles. Um, so he came back last year, was very honest, you know, that you know, he was, I forget, how far through the season we were, but he was like, yeah, I'm only 80%, 85% right now. Um, and didn't look at, you know, he still looked like himself, but you know, that was something that he was really, really working through. And then chop Robinson who surprised me by how many mock drafts that he snuck into the first round of, um, you know, early, you know, at, right after the, the NFL draft that he is someone who is getting labeled as a potential first round pick for, for next year. Um, and he's coming off of and he's going through his first full offseason as a defensive end. He played outside linebacker at Maryland as a freshman, transferred in, didn't get to campus until last summer, you know, and then was going through things as a defensive end. He's going to have the full, you know, offseason as a 4-3-D end. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, is going to be really beneficial for him. And then there's Denai Dennis Sutton, who, you know, is just enormous. Um, you know, he was a star from the spring game. Um, and I think that he is someone who is going to be really, really poised to be a breakout this year. You know, former five-star recruit from McDonough and Owings Mills, which has been a very, very kind to Penn State uh, in recent years. I think that uh, Dennis Sutton is someone that a lot of people are going to get to know um, over the course of the season. 
interior defensive line. Look, Akeem Beeman is, is sort of a like a hybrid type build, right? Unless he's got a lot bigger. I mean, two, 270, I think, is what they listed him at. Devon Ellis, is it Ellis or Ellies? Ellies. 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 Okay. Uh, uh, option number three. <laughs> Do they have like a big time difference maker in the middle? Like, like is it Beeman to, to your to your eye, or is it like just a more of a decent group? I'm trying to kind of just gauge where they are on like the national scale. Yeah, I think that when you look at the defense as a whole, you can maybe pinpoint a weakness as the interior defensive line. Um, you know, there's not another PJ Mustafer on the roster, but there aren't many PJ Mustafers in college football. That's just kind of how it goes. Um, they have a redshirt freshman named Caleb Artis, uh, who is the the biggest defensive tackle on the roster, 6'4", 315. Um, but you don't necessarily know how ready um, you know he is to to take things on. So I think you're looking at a some sort of rotation with Devon Elise, uh Hakeem Beeman, Keziah Izzard, uh, Zane Durant is someone that there is a lot of excitement about. He's he, twitchy, man. Like yeah. I know he's kind of short armed, <laughs> but like he is twitchy. Like 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 he's an Orlando kid. I got to see him a lot. Like yeah, he's gonna play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the rule of thumb that I usually use is that. If you're a freshman and you're playing either defensive line and offensive line and they green light you from the jump, which Zane Durant was, I think he played in every game last year. It was clear that he was going to play. You know, I, I really take that seriously and I take that as a real compliment to, to your ability. So I think that he's someone that could have a big year. Um, you know, this was an area that they addressed in the transfer portal, though. Um, Alonzo Ford uh, played a couple years at Old Dominion. He's on the younger side, so he can still develop. Um, obviously, he's making a, a pretty big leap uh, in competition. So, you know, you'll see where he's at in terms of, you know, going from you know, CUSA to Big Ten and, and what that actually means. How ready is he to contribute? But at the same time, you have him for a couple of years. So you don't need to, you know, thrust him into action before he's ready. So yeah, they have a lot of bodies on the interior of the defensive line. How exactly that pecking order shakes out, I'm not too sure yet. I think that it's pretty safe to say that the top four will be Elise, Beeman, Izzard, and Durant. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we've seen. I think that Caleb Artis is a little bit of a wild card uh, in terms of the size. Um, but you go through the roster and, or you go through the schedule, and the Michigan game is really the only one that stands out um, in terms of the you know, smash mouth, you know, the, the size versus size. We saw that last year. And afterwards, James Franklin was talking about how they needed to get bigger, uh, which is something that has come up here and there with him. Um, but, you know, I think that it's a solid group, you know, maybe for power ranking, you know, every subset of groups on the defense, they're near, near the bottom. But, you know, I think they can be solid. Makes sense to me. Uh, linebacker. Just pure studs across the board, right? <laughs> J- J- Jacobs, Abdul Carter. Uh, uh, I'm not saying there's that there isn't a better one out there, but there's not many better tandems out, out there in college football, I, I don't think. That's uh, certainly not a concern. I, I mean, is there anybody else we need to know at linebacker other than those two? I mean, I think that you, know, you got to give uh, at least some some lip service to the middle linebackers, Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. The, they split time uh, in their last season, and I think that you know, those are two guys that are, you know, just very kind of solid. You know, they know what right. they're supposed to do. 
Um, they're not necessarily the athletic freaks uh, that you get with Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter. Um, you know, Tony Rojas, though, a true freshman, early enrollee uh, from Fairfax, Virginia, he made a lot of noise this spring. I think that when we got out of spring, he was the guy that we might have heard about the most. Um, and I'm very interested to see how he kind of finds his way um, onto the field because, you know, Penn State's returning, you know, they return a lot. Um, at linebacker, you know, you have your top, you know, basically your four starters. Uh, Dom DeLuca was a you know former walk-on who got a scholarship. He was a backup at the Sam, key special teams guy. Also, so t- also saw time on the field. Keon Wiley redshirted last year. Um, you know, he's someone that I think there's some expectations for. But then Tony Rojas came in and added, I think, 29 pounds uh, over the course of, <laughs> over the course of the spring semester. Uh, and, you know, according to the teammates and according to James Franklin, didn't lose uh, any of that athleticism. You know, he was a stud running back uh, in high school. Yeah. You know, he was the Washington Post All-Met Offensive Player of the Year. And, you know, they've said that he has that running back vision at linebacker. And that is something that has really helped him to make plays. So, you know, I think Tony Rojas uh, is someone that is going to force his way onto the field. You have two other freshman linebackers. Tamir Robinson uh, was here in the spring. This is the most extensive football he's played in a while. He battled some injuries near the end of his career uh, as a high schooler in Pittsburgh. Um, And then Kavion Keys, another Virginia linebacker, uh, was a top 247 guy who's arriving. And I think it's something that, you know, gets reminded to us sometimes. Abdul Carter and Drew Shelton were two guys that played really key roles for Penn State last year. Neither guy was on campus until the summer. That is scary for opponents. <laughs> uh, at, in the secondary, you, you do lose Joey Porter Jr. And, and, and Jair Brown, who are both, I thought, really, really good college football players. Got a lot of experience behind them, and you got some existing guys who are, are probably going to turn out to be studs or are already really good players. That, do you project a drop-off here, or, or can they do status quo, or, or am I totally off base in, in – and kind of leaning you know, with the downward trend, is this to have a chance to be better? It, it's hard to say that a group that loses Joey Porter Jr. and especially Jair Brown, because uh, Jair Brown just did so much. Um, yeah. it, it feels you know it feels tough to say that the group can be better, but I think that this group as a whole, you know, in in total, can be just as good. Um, you know, Johnny Dixon is someone who I think is really really poised for a big year. You know, we saw it a little bit last year where he was playing on the outside. He was playing on the inside. There's a stretch, pretty long stretch of the season where he was leading the team in sacks um, just because the <laughs> up front hadn't really gotten going yet. And he was, you know, Manny Diaz was using him off the edge, moving him around a little bit. Um, I think that he's someone who could potentially step into the Jair Brown role of being moved around the defense, you know, lining up, blitzing from different directions, playing up and run support. Um, and then you know, you're bringing back Kalen King uh, for another year, who is preseason All-American. Um, Jory Porter Jr. was supposed to be the first Penn State defensive back drafted in the first round ever. That didn't quite work out the way we expected it to. But now it's going to be, OK, is Kalen King going to be that guy? Um, because, you know, I think that he is that good. He saw a lot of balls thrown his way last year because of Joey Porter Jr. And he was more than up to the task. Uh, he's one of those guys who's got the confidence, got the swagger that you want to see back there. Um, and then just the, you know, the rest of the cornerbacks, Daquan Hardy's played a lot of football. 
Cam Miller is someone who I think the staff is really, really excited about taking that step forward. And then Elliot Washington, uh, early enrollee from Florida, really, really big kid. You know, his size, I think, really stood out to me as something that they don't really have in that room. Big physical corner. Um, I think he's someone who can who can really make an impact with that corner group. Um, Question for you here, and you mentioned it, at you know, Manny Diaz bringing Johnny Dixon off the edge. With, with, with the loss of, of Brown and, and Porter, and I, it sounds like there's a lot of reason for Penn State fans to be pretty optimistic about this unit. They were still, I, I don't have their pressure rate right in front of me, but I guess it's my show, so I can kind of just look this up right now. Um, my, my question basically is, is, last year they were still, I mean, they blitzed a lot still. Now, maybe not quite as much as Manny Diaz did at times at prior stops. And they got an incredible pressure. Like, I know Connolly had him at, at, a, at number four in the nation in, in, in pressure rate created, and a lot of that, they did blitz quite a bit. Uh, is there any chance that we see more of a, a, a tame Manny Diaz or, or Manny Diaz that plays more more coverage here uh, with, with just the, the, the expectation of the pass rush that Penn State's going to have from the front four? I mean, I, I think if you have someone like Abdul Carter, if you have someone like Curtis Jacobs, if you have someone like Johnny Dixon, guys who are already good at, at those things, good at blitzing, you know, I think that we can see more more of the same um, of what we saw last year. I mean, there are times last year where, you know, Abdul Carter just off the edge was just heat-seeking missile. Yeah. You know, there's the, you know, Jair Brown had a long fumble return uh, in the Rutgers game where, you know, Curtis Jacobs was, at the quarterback basically the same time the snap got there like these guys you know turn them loose um i think that a lot of penn state fans were really you know waiting a long time to see what we saw last year after so long with brent pry um you know a little bit more of a conservative um kind of knew what you were going to get i think manny diaz brought a lot of creativity um not just in terms of the blitzing both the personnel um You know, under Brent Pry, a lot of it was you play Will linebacker, you play Mike linebacker, you play Sam linebacker. And those, you know, that's your role. You know, last year, you know, they moved Curtis Jacobs from Will to Sam to get Abdul Carter onto the field. They, you know, used a formation where they're taking the mic off the field to keep Jacobs and Carter out there together. They're playing four safeties at a time uh, in certain formations. Um, And I think the safety room is deep enough to do that again this year. Like there's a lot of different guys on this defense and I really applaud Manny Diaz for his flexibility in getting them out there. And I think that's something that has really brought a lot to this defense. They were weirdly terrible in both kick return and punt return last year. Like like just, I mean, probably the worst return unit in the entire power five is you put kick return and punt return together. Uh, Has James Franklin talked about this at all? It just seems weird that a team with the athletes that Penn state has would not be a little bit better at, at, in, in the return game. It, it came up a little bit this spring uh, in terms of, you know, different guys that they're trying back there. I think that this is an area where some of the freshmen coming in could maybe find a foothold because um, that's the, you know, you're running that balance, you know, with some of these, you know, some of your veteran skill guys, you know, and Nick Singleton was returning kicks last year. Katron Allen was um, as well. And those are two guys that could be game breakers, um, you know, but then, you know, how often do you want to have a guy like Singleton? back there in that situation. Um, but, you know, I think Elliot Washington is maybe someone to, to keep an eye on. You know, he did it in high school. Um, it was very successful in Florida. Um, we've heard you know, a lot about the speed of uh, Daquan Hardy this offseason. 
and he got a couple looks back there with the kick return group. Um, yeah, I think that you know for a, a team that has a lot of you know strengths right now, <laughs> and you kind of go into the offseason, go into camp, and you're trying to think, all right, what are the question marks around this team? You know, I think that you know when we get into August, you know those return spots are going to have uh, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of attention on them. Absolutely. So I'll get you out of here with this one. Really appreciate the time. Lions 247, Daniel Gallon joining us again. The best source, absolutely, on Penn State. You know, they do a tremendous job. Other than quarterback, because it's kind of like the G-code answer, where's the spot in this team where the drop-off between the starters and the backups is the biggest? I, I think wide receiver has a lot, of the, a lot of the question marks, and I know that you can kind of tie that into quarterback You know, with a little bit where – one can make the other look uh, look pretty good. But um, yeah, I think that just because you have so many guys that are unproven, so many guys that have not played much football um, are behind that that group. And even in that starting group, you know, Dante Cephas and Keandre Lambert-Smith have both played a lot of football at this point. But guys like Trey Wallace and Omari Evans haven't necessarily played a lot of football. And, you know, and those are guys that are really going to need to step up um, you know, I think that there's a lot of warranted excitement about both of those guys. You know, Trey Wallace is a freaky athlete. Um, and then Omari Evans is a you know, sub four, four type guy who played quarterback for his entire career in Texas and goes in and burns his red shirt right away in his first full year as a wide receiver. So, you know, I think that you need those guys to take steps forward. Um, you had the coaching change there this off season with Taylor Stubblefield out, Marcus Higgins in, you, know, you just have, I think, a lot of questions that kind of pile up there. Um, but I think that the talent is there. You know, I think from this pool of guys that you've assembled, you should be able to find the four or five, hopefully six that can contribute. Um, and, you know, if you can, I think that that really does, you know, a good, you know, does wonders for what this offense could be. Daniel Gallon, last 24-7. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, bud.